Welcome to the Trust Corner. Trust is still a new business category that companies like SAP have prioritized by building their own chief trust offices. Academics and researchers were pioneers in understanding the importance and power of trust and how organizations can learn how to build and nurture it. What else can businesses learn from the work that research academics have done around trust? Our guest today is Sandra Setcher, Professor of Management Practice at Harvard Business School. She's internationally recognized trust researcher and an author of The Power of Trust, How Companies Build It, Lose It, and Regain It. Sandra is on the Edelman Trust Institute Advisory Board. She collaborates with Deloitte on Trust IQ and collaborates with PwC on their Trust Leadership Institute. Welcome to the Trust Corner, Sandra. Oh, thanks so much. Well, I'd like to begin with the basics. Organizations have their own definitions of trust. For example, at SAP, we understand trust within the context of cybersecurity, privacy, compliance, and transparency. How would you define trust in business? Uh, so I, I define trust uh, in more, I would say, organizational and operational terms. So uh, an umbrella definition of trust is that uh, trust is a willingness uh, to be vulnerable to other people's actions and intentions. Uh, so when people trust, uh, what they're doing is uh, they're willing to say that, you know what, I know that whatever it is that you could do, you have power over me because there are things that I want that you can actually produce. Uh, and I trust you to do that. And I understand that you could actually not follow through. And that's why trust is this willingness to be vulnerable. Uh, and really requires a faith that the other party will treat someone fairly and kind of do what they're expected to do. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your definition, Sandra. It's important for organizations to understand that trust is something upon which business relationships are built. And this is also what you highlight in your book. You have dedicated many years of research uh, to trust and have written multiple, multiple articles about it and wrote a book about it, um, as we mentioned in your introduction. Why do you decide to dedicate your career to this complex topic of trust? So the actual, uh, the kind of origin story of this strand of my research uh, was actually in, in 2017, in January, I was in Japan, in Tokyo, uh, visiting a company called Recruit Holdings, and uh, people may know them as the people who own Indeed and Glassdoor. Uh, and uh, at the time I was there, I was researching some practices that they had on innovation, uh, and I found that they had uh, survived a scandal that was so large that the prime minister of Japan and his entire cabinet had to resign. Uh, and when I was there, they were a company with 50,000 employees worldwide. Uh, at that time, their revenues were $14 billion. Uh, and this contradicted everything I'd ever understood about trust, because uh, the big rule about trust in business is kind of once lost, it's gone forever. Uh, and so I'd always been interested in trust, but this kind of presented the sort of research problem that you get excited about, which is how can this be true? How can this organization still be in existence and thriving uh, when it had such a terrible situation? 
In, indeed, and I can tell you, I have myself learned a lot from your research and often referred to your book uh, when we create our own narratives around trust. And I'd like now to talk a little bit about um, the economy. In your organization, you have found that trust is built from inside out. Uh, you also mentioned that there's a correlation between the economy uh, and the strength of the institutions and the trust in the institutions. How would you recommend organizations foster trust with their employees during the times of economic anxiety? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think it's really important uh, for organizations to meet employees where they are. Uh, and the biggest concerns that employees have right now uh, is, you know, are their jobs safe? Uh, you know, in the Edelman Trust Barometer, it's the single biggest concern, fear of job loss. 85% uh, of employees actually share that around the world. Uh, and so, you know, there's some very specific things that I think companies can do and would be advised to do right now. Uh, you know, the first is just that you have to appreciate uh, that employees may be concerned. It's not good to kind of hide your perception of this or your understanding about it. People accept the fact and they want to hear that you know that that's on their minds. Uh, the biggest thing that they're looking for right now is information fairness. Uh, and, and what people are looking for uh, are several things. The first is it really helps people to be informed about how the business itself is doing. How's it doing in the short run, long-term prospects, what kind of key initiatives and all of that. Uh, you know, often we share that information with our employees at a time like this, it's really important to do that as well. Uh, the second thing uh, that you can talk about are uh, if this is true in your company, actions that you're taking to shore up the financial situation of the firm. Uh, and that can be anything from inventory levels, supply chain costs, uh, contracts, you know, real estate, initiative reviews. There are a ton of things that companies do that cost money. Uh, and the first thing that people want to know is that if you're concerned about it, that you're kind of on the case. And that people really do know that you're taking this as seriously as they're taking it. Uh, and it's very reassuring to hear that you're actually doing some things about this. Uh, it also helps at times when you're doing that to let people know about how important their contribution is to your success. Uh, and that's really something that people want to know, the way that you think that they contribute uh, to the well-being of the firm. Uh, and the other big message uh, is just to indicate the care with which you make decisions about actions that affect people uh, and your commitment to treating people fairly, understanding what jobs mean to them. Uh, and so in some companies that can be putting a priority on actions that maintain staff, like justifications for open positions, uh, selected hiring freezes, voluntary choice-based options, uh, and all of that before involuntary actions like uh, furloughs or, or layoffs. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the other thing I've learned because I do study uh, layoffs as a separate strand of my trust research, uh, is that a, a big mistake to avoid uh, is kind of vague warnings to people that they have to kind of tighten up and expect to be more productive. Uh, so several companies are actually doing that. And all this does is kind of put make people scared. They don't actually know what it is that you're asking them to do. It's not at all actionable. Uh, and it also conflates kind of performance management with the fact that the economy is bad. 
and so, you know, at the end of that, people are saying, well, are they blaming me for the fact that the firm is in financial bad shape uh, or worried about the future? Uh, so, you know, as you can tell by what I'm saying, these are pragmatic things that companies can do. They, you know, it's not like in the land of theory. This is actually just imagining you're the person who's worried about your job uh, and what kinds of things would you want to hear that would reassure you? Uh, sometimes in senior leadership roles, we kind of lose a piece of our empathy. Uh, and so it is really important to think about if I were the person in that kind of a job, what would I be worried about uh, and how to do that? Well, thank you very much for sharing your perspective and recommendations on that, Sandra. I'm sure we can take a lot of lessons learned from that. We also uh, discussed earlier uh, in this podcast that it's almost a given that trust once lost is very difficult to regain. But in your book, you shared uh, multiple examples of how organizations are actually able to regain trust effectively after a crisis. Uh, could you share a more recent example of where organizations got ahead of trust crisis, were able to come back even stronger from a trust crisis? What can we learn from their approach? And what are some of the best practices and maybe policies uh, that you would recommend organizations have in mind? Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of with your permission, I'm just going to, because it's so top of mind, kind of go down the layoff path a little bit further. Uh, and so, you know, they, we've seen 200,000 people laid off through tech layoffs, uh, you know, since 2022 to, and into 2023. Uh, and of them, you know, one company has actually done a pretty good job, at least one that I've been following. It is a company called Stripe. Uh, and it's managed by a CEO, Patrick Collison. Uh, and when Patrick Collison sent his email out, which he had to do with a distributed workforce to people, he did several things that I think are helpful to people to keep in mind as best practices. Uh, the first is that he set his actions in the context of the broader economy. He told people, here's how we're being affected by the economy, uh, and this is why we're in the situation that we're in right now. Uh, because he was announcing layoffs, he then got quite specific. Uh, and he said, you know, the, the number of people are being laid off in their case was 14%. Uh, and the fact that if someone's listening and reading this, that he'll receive a specific notification within the next 15 minutes, letting them know about what would happen to them. Uh, and part of what they announced at that time were exactly the kinds of things that people could expect, all the way from severance, bonus, paid time off, healthcare, RSU vesting, uh, immigration support, finding a new job support. Uh, and all of this was laid out in his initial communication uh, to people so that they could know what to expect. Uh, he then took just a sort of remarkably candid look at their own performance and said, you know, we made two specific uh, mistakes that we actually feel we need to correct for, and these were our mistakes. The first was that we overhired during the pandemic, uh, and, and the second was that we have allowed our operating costs to get out of line with our revenues. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, what we know from trust is that apologizing for creating harm uh, in someone else's life is a hugely uh, important aspect of being able to recover lost trust. Uh, and so when you read someone's note like that, you know, which clearly sort of says, here's what we did wrong, here's how it happened, and here's what we're going to do to make you whole, uh, that is kind of a masterclass in a way about how it is that you can regain lost trust. Uh, in a very particular context. And uh, I, I don't mean to, you know, over index on the layoff story, but because it's so current, I just want to give people as much insight as I can into sort of what seems to make a difference there in building trust. 
Well, thank you, Sandra. You know, we possible we discussed a, a similar approaches with uh, other chief trust officers and trust executives at our customer companies and client customers, uh, client companies, and they all agree that the best thing to do is to be proactive when it comes to trust. So this is what we have experienced at SAP as well. It pays off to be proactive, and this is what we incorporate uh, in our business practices as well. I'd like to talk about the public perception and trust in organizations. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you're on the Edelman Trust Institute Advisory Board. And in the past few years, Edelman's trust barometer has found that the public trusts businesses more than they trust other types of organizations. Why do you think the public has this sentiment and expectations towards businesses? So uh, it, it's quite uh, interesting that the reason why they do, uh, in, and just to make clear for people who may or may not be as familiar with the Edelman Trust Barometer, so this is a way of measuring trust in institutions. Uh, and so it compares trust in government with trust in business, trust in NGOs, and trust in the media. Uh, and so on a relative basis, because all these are being compared against each other, uh, business comes out on top and has for the last couple of years. Uh, and, and, you know, my personal assessment of this is that some of that was actually uh, a function of how people saw businesses respond to the pandemic. You know, that was a, a crucible for most businesses. And what they proved to themselves to be quite able to do uh, is to take actions that showed how much they cared about the health and well-being of their employees uh, and, uh, and also with their customers. Uh, and so this was a kind of a high point, I think, in terms of business performance. More generally, uh, I would say that what the data show uh, is that the, people's expectations uh, about business and its role at, in societal issues has increased over time. Uh, and, and so, you know, about 85% of people, 28,000 people will tell you that they think the core functions of business are to make, create wealth, innovation, create jobs, and other kind of straight up expectations. 77% actually think that businesses have societal expectations and that they must meet. Uh, and what they look at is the effect of companies on climate, uh, on issues like uh, discrimination, uh, issues of fairness to future generations, uh, and impact on communities. Now, what's interesting there is that while business isn't perfect, because of the power of business, it's seen of actually being able to not just be able to affect these things, but having a responsibility to do that in a good way. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's sort of the larger context within which this is actually being thought about, uh, which is that business now has very firmly sort of economic responsibilities that have always been recognized. And now these societal responsibilities uh, that people feel that business can do a good job of and should deliver on. Thank you, Sandra. You spoke about the responsibilities of businesses. And of course, the businesses are run by CEOs. So do you think that CEOs are aware of the expectations that the public has towards them? Uh, and if so, how can they be best prepared uh, for those expectations that, that the public has? Yeah, so, uh, I, you know, it's a very interesting mix of things that the public expects of CEOs. On the one hand, they're very clear that the CEO is the main communicator. Uh, so in, in the case of trying to figure out what this company is up to, more than brand, brand spokesmen and any, anybody else, it's really up to the CEO to do that. 
Uh, and the CEO is held responsible for creating a path of response to these issues. So those are the kinds of things that people expect CEOs to do. On the other hand, the people are pretty clear that the CEOs aren't expected to do this alone and the business isn't expected to do this alone. Uh, and the expectation is that business does these things in connection with government uh, as an institutional actor, which it needs to cooperate with, and that the best outcomes come from partnership uh, between business and government. Uh, as to whether CEOs actually uh, understand these expectations, you know, many of them are plagued by concerns that there are all these things that they're supposed to speak up on. And they don't know how to prioritize which one of these should I go after, which ones shouldn't I speak about. Uh, and I think people inside organizations have to be quite thoughtful uh, about helping them kind of navigate that terrain. Well, that's very interesting. And we're very much looking forward to seeing how those expectations may evolve and how companies will adjust to meet them. We've also discussed in our uh, podcast series and throughout the different episodes, uh, the role of a, a chief trust officer, a chief trust office, and why it may be important for companies to consider establishing such a function. Um, I know you have uh, so much experience in looking at trust from a research perspective and researching so many best practices, companies and organizations. So we'd like to get your perspective on why is trust important for businesses today and why do you think establishing such a function may benefit companies? Yeah, so I, I, I do have pretty strong feelings about it. And I, I'd say the headlines are, uh, it's a good idea, right, uh, to establish this as a function. Uh, and if you think historically, trust is uh, kind of where quality was in the late 1970s and early 1980s. It's one of those things that everyone thinks is a good idea, but they're not sure exactly what to do about it. Uh, and just as chief quality officers became required to help organizations learn how it is that you manage process improvement, uh, what best practices are in terms of benchmark other organizations, how it is that you actually build quality in uh, without you know, killing yourself with costs, that was a whole piece of work that you needed specialized attention to. Uh, and so the first reason why chief trust officers are useful is that that's a function that actually is sort of putting its hand up and saying, I'm willing to be that person on behalf of my organization to try to understand this space uh, and develop a point of view for us about what best practice looks like and what we should do. Uh, the second reason why I think it's very useful to have a, a role like that uh, is that companies need someone to look end to end on all the issues that the company faces. Uh, sometimes, you know, people will use government relations issues committees to make sure that the left hand and the right hand kind of know what the company is doing across a whole range of issues. Chief uh, trust officers can play that role as well uh, and really be looking at sort of the issues and making sure that there's not sort of a dedication to an issue on the one hand and kind of undermining it uh, with policy issues that kind of cut the other way. Uh, and I think the last function, uh, and, and without sounding you know, too uh, praising here, Elena, I think you're a good example of this, uh, is helping uh, companies understand from the standpoint of their particular business and trust, what should they focus on? Uh, and, and that's something that really is helpful uh, when someone defines their role as a chief quality officer, a chief trust officer, uh, which is the ability to actually pinpoint the strategies and functions where trust shows up and where it has strategic impact 
uh, and we're managing it could be a huge assist uh, to how it is that the business actually succeeds. So I've got like three reasons why I think this is a good idea. Uh, and uh, and I was uh, so happy to come on the podcast just to talk to people who may be in this role uh, and to encourage them uh, because I feel like there's a lot of promise ahead. Absolutely. And we feel the same way. And this is why we launched the podcast in the series. So thank you so much, Sandra. Well, finally, we'd like you to uh, share some wisdom and knowledge with our listeners that we may not have yet touched upon. Is there any advice that you may like to share with our, our listeners with regards to trust um, or related topics? The most practical question that someone can ask in a meeting uh, to try to bring trust into the room uh, is how will this decision uh, affect whether people trust us or not and with whom? Uh, so will this decision cause us to gain trust or to lose trust and with which of our stakeholders? Uh, and I, I think that actually is a practical matter, just being the person who's in the room who asked that question and puts the question uh, is something that I think will help uh, everyone start to focus on trust as a desired outcome uh, and something that they can get better at. So, you know, I always try to be practical for people and try to think about what it is that they can do that actually uh, real people do and not that people write books about and articles and stuff like that. And so that's, you know, that's the thing I've seen uh, that can actually stop a, a group that's trying to make a decision kind of in its tracks and have them step back and sort of say, huh, well, that's interesting. You know, if you think about that from the standpoint of trust, maybe we need to sort of think about doing this in a different way, figuring out timing, really practical considerations uh, that may make a difference between being more trusted or less. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you for sharing the research perspective, the practical perspective, and also the business perspective with us and our listeners. And we very much look forward to incorporating this in our business practices. Thank you again for joining us on the Trust Corner, Sandra. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. And good luck with all your work, all of you. Yes. Thank you.